We got LaShawn Robinson here in our virtual Zencaster lobby, visionary startup founder of Huddle Music, a referral from Kurt Cacino, the owner of Hype Life Brands. LaShawn, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks. I'm so happy to be here this morning to chat with you guys. How's your Friday morning going? You know what? Blessed to be here. Friday morning is going great. Just relocated to the great city of Denver. So things are great. Oh, man. I've been to Denver once. I never wanted to leave. I actually had a life-changing experience there. Just the vibes over there are unreal. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. What does a Friday morning look like for you? You know what? Friday morning looks like I get up and I go to my app and I see how many users <laughs> we, we acquired overnight or from mm -hmm. the previous day, right? And so that's kind of like how I get my day started. And then I go in and and check out all my posts and seeing who's uploaded some of the best music out there globally and, and just looking forward to always seeing what's new. And so Friday, that's how my morning starts. And then I'll work out and kind of like get the blood going, get the brain waves going. And, and after that, I start thinking about, hey, how could I continue to push my company forward? What's next? What the goals for the following week? So that's yeah. how and Speaking of your company, let's dive into your company. You know, Huddle Music, I watched some stuff on it. It's revolutionary, man. I'm, I'm really excited to see where this thing goes. It's a social community where independent artists can connect directly with fans. That's my interpretation of it. LaShawn, you obviously have a much better uh, explanation for it. So why don't you just dive into it? Absolutely. You're right on the market. It's a global community for independent artists to collab, connect, and create some of the best music possibly for independent artists. A lot of times the independent artists, they have other platforms to go to, but there's very few platforms where it is 100% independent artists, where they're not competing with mainstream artists because let's just keep it real. Independent artists don't make a lot of money. And so how do they compete on a platform uh, against a Drake or against a Taylor Swift or mm -hmm. someone like that? And so where they're getting all the attention. So we're that community for them. And that was the original idea. Hey, let's build a community for independent artists. But then after that, I started looking at what service that we can continue to help grow these independent artists' careers. And so how do you link up with these independent artists? How do you incentivize to come on to the Huddle Music platform? How do you grow the platform? Yeah, I, we have so many ways we could take this. Why don't we start with how you get an artist to come on? Well, nothing's originally better than word of mouth until digital came to fruition, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, really one, building a, a platform that will catch the attention of independent artists through marketing, digital marketing, uh, reaching out to studio owners, concert promoters, et cetera. That was the start of it, right? And then also reaching out to finding those artists that engage the most on the platform and then also going out interviewing those those artists where they're flying out to California or flying to Florida or Jersey or New York, exposing or creating exposure for those artists that are most engaging. So once we do that, we're able to take those interviews and then promote them even further on the, all the digital platforms. And so that awareness brought about more artists to want to join. And we hear all the time, hey, how could I be a featured artist on Huddle Music? You can be a featured artist. You just got to be one of the most engaging and you got to have some good music out there. So what does the app look like? So I, I have never downloaded it or checked it out. And for those who haven't as well that are listening here, what does what's the engagement look like? What are the features the app offers and, and what are some of your favorite things about it? Yeah. So the app, I would say if I had to really, if there was one app that I would compare it to, I would have to compare it to a Twitter. Um, it is probably the Twitter music 
if I had to put it out there. So there's a dashboard on the front. So if you're an artist, you'll get to see where your your music is trending across the country or outside of the country. And then we have the latest on Huddle Music where fans could stroll down and they can see, it's kind of like a LinkedIn when you're strolling down, you can see different posts and things like that. But you'll stroll down and you see the latest artists that have signed up for Huddle. And if they have a video on it, you can watch their videos or take you straight to their songs as well. We have what we call Tip Jar. In Tip Jar, we installed long before SoundCloud where fans could donate money to their favorite artists to help them with maybe some recording time or an album promotion. Uh, so Tip Jar is a feature on there where fans and artists could send each other donations to support their next project. Have you seen any standout artists that come to mind that, you know, maybe had started on your platform and have evolved to a certain place? Do you have any success stories that you might want to share? Um, I would say that's one that's a continuation in progress, but we do have some talented artists on there. With a couple that come to mind, you have A Natural, an independent artist for the world. I mean, he's on the platform. You have Lenny Harrell, formerly of Backstreet, that is on the platform as well. You have some young cats out of California. You got Neutrino out of California who's doing some good things and you got Future Sound. So I look forward to any of these individuals actually coming on, being a member of the Huddle Music family and looking forward to seeing their careers continually take off. And so to your point, that's what we want. We want independent artists to be on our platform, get the exposure and to be able to grow and become a major superstar. It seems like you have just such a passion for that industry and for the independent artist. Where does that passion come from? You know, that passion comes from me being in the music business several years ago. I was a record label owner. It was a Southeast regional label. It was Ambitious Records. And that passion back then when we used to go into studios and record and then the, the whole business part of getting CDs pressed up and being out on the street, selling these CDs mm -hmm. out of the trunk of cars and things like that. And so I stepped back then because at that point, Apple had had injected themselves and changed the game of how music was. And so I saw the music industry, the trend changing, and there was no way I was in a position to keep up with it at that time. And mm -hmm. over even several years later, the music business has continually to evolve. And 2019 is when I decided to get back in because I felt like I had a better understanding of where the music business was going. And, and at this point, I said, I didn't want to be a record label owner anymore. I wanted to be a platform owner. Mm -hmm. And so with Huddle, what are some challenges that you guys constantly face and who's some competition? I know, I, I guess Apple wouldn't be direct competition since you are specializing in the independent artist space, but I'm assuming there is competition out there. Why don't you shed some light on that? Yeah. So, and you're right. Apple is not a direct competition. Spotify is not my direct competition. And SoundCloud is, is not a direct competition. I guess our competition right now would be this company called Loom. They're based out of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So they're another platform that caters to independent artists, except for they don't do a lot of marketing. And they definitely, I haven't seen them actually feature really any any artists out there to push out. So far as where they marketing them, and that's one of the big contrasts between us and them is that we'll fly anywhere to go give artists exposure if they're the right artists, where Loom right now has not taken that approach. I wanted to talk to you about, you know, first, I guess, what it was like starting out. People think about starting these businesses, having their own platform and things like that. The first thing that comes to my mind is 
man, this has got to be expensive, right? Like what did that look like for you? <laughs> and how did that startup process look like building a team and kind of getting off the ground? I tell you, and to your point, it is expensive for the everyday American or everyday individuals that, that aspires to develop a platform. Uh, once they get into it, not only the cost of building it, but the cost of maintaining it and the regular maintenance and a lot of things I've learned along the way as far as there's always a tech update. There's always a tech roadmap, right? So, but, but starting it, you know, when I had the vision of creating Huddle Music, I went with a company outside of the country to develop the platform. And because of the a language barrier, the time difference, and then all of the details wasn't there. I, I paid several thousand dollars, tens of thousand dollars in on a project, and I just didn't feel good in my core about it. And I, I stopped it and I, I decided to go with a company and nothing against anyone, any company outside of the United States. But for me personally, it was, it was just a better fit to find a company that was local that I can partner with. That where we had the same vision, you know, it's almost similar. Like if you ask somebody in America that you want to buy a swimming pool, you already know that there's going to be water in the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that already. Right, so there's other right. companies. I asked them to build something. They were just going to build me a pool and not put the water in. And then right. I think that's the closest example that I can share uh, why I decided to part ways with that first company and then bring the bring all the building pieces and and hire people right here from the United States. So. Yeah. And I think there's also something to say about culture and understanding what's hot out West versus what might work where their upbringing was. Right. And what did the timeline look like as far as, you know, starting out through the growing pains of figuring out who you wanted to build your platform and then, you know, obviously raising capital slash just investing in your business. Like what did the timeline look like from this time you decided, hey, this is what I'm gonna jump into to hey, now we're actually out in the marketplace and we're we're building this brand. Yeah. So great question. You know, first you had to come out with a vision phase, a plan phase, an execution phase. And just those three phases, that took four months. And that was before even any wireframes or any <laughs> potential thought of kind of like what the platform would look like. So I guess to answer your question, it took approximately about 15 months before we went from conception to Apple approving the app to going live. What did that approval process look like for Apple? Is it pretty rigorous? I know for us with the podcast, it took a little bit of time, but it wasn't too tough. But I can imagine it would be tougher with getting an app out there into the universe. Absolutely. Uh, first, I would say anyone out there that you're sitting around thinking and say, hey, you know what? I can just build me an app and I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm going to get this. It doesn't work like that. Just to be clear, Apple uh, rejected me three times. Wow. For what reasons? One was the app didn't have like a birthday to ensure age restrictions. Or one was some of the some of the settings and the things that we had in there, we had to go back and adjust. But it was small mm. things, but it's just a point of detail that Apple requires. And it goes through, as you guys know, it goes through a rigorous approval process. Yeah. And um, and so it is what it is. It's a part of business and it's a learning factor. And anyone out there that's looking to build an app or you're currently in the process, right. of it, it's going to be a rigorous process to your point. It's not easy, but when it's approved and it's solidified, it's a great feeling. Right. And the last portion of questions that I have for this, at least for this topic is, what have you seen since you got out onto that platform? How have you seen growth? Uh, Where did it start? Where is it going? Where do you see it going? Great question. Growth uh, started out slow at first. You know, you're thinking that you're going to have this app and the whole world is going to be like, yeah, we've been waiting on this. (laughs) Well, 
<laughs> you got to do a lot of marketing behind it. But I would say after we launched April 1st, 2020, right? And so I know 2020 was a horrific year, but it was a year where it actually worked to the advantage of Huddle Music because a lot of people were sitting at home and trying to figure out what to do. And so we started seeing a 25% month over month growth to a point where every That's month- amazing. And we're still running 25% month over month growth. So it's good. Wow, that's awesome. Now, from a business standpoint, how do you guys go about making money? Well, when you build an app, when it's definitely on for the community, you're trying to build a social community, the money part was not the main focus with that. And as we leaned in and continue to grow our base, then the thought is, okay, how do we start monetizing? What are some of the angles in that? And that's, and that's a great question. I don't know if it's a, a segue into where I see Huddle Music going. But there are several avenues that we're looking at. And one, we're going to move forward with a distribution launch this summer for Huddle Music. So we will be also, you know, an app for independent artists to join, to collab, create and connect. But also we, we will be the platform that will be able to distribute your music to 203 different digital service providers. That's amazing, man. And, you know, what I love about this podcast is that we don't just get typical business owner on this, we get visionaries. You know, you're a visionary, LaShawn. You can, you're such a high level dude that I'm sure if you just wanted to go make a ton of money, you could go, you know, invest in real estate or stocks or, you know, start something up that's a little bit simpler, but you're here to change the game. You know, it it doesn't seem like it's just about the money for you, which is unreal, man. It's, it's awesome. Exactly. And, And I think when you're in a situation where you can be a visionary and when you can help others, why not change the game? Why not take the risk? Uh, if you can build a platform that support independent artists, because every major artist was an independent artist until they got discovered. And if we can continue to, to support independent artists, give them a platform where they don't have to have nine different apps just to get the same thing done, that's what Hodo Music's here for. We want to be able to keep artists on the platform. If you want to distribute your music, you can do that. If you want to get involved with a community, you can do that. If you want to find somebody that makes tracks for you, you can do that right here on Hot Music. If you want to send private messages or send money for donations to support someone else's project, you can do that. If you well, want, that's that's if you want, like a one stop shop. Absolutely, and if you want to reach out to the to the to the founder and CEO myself, you can do that on Hot Music. And, I'll and you can do that on the Learn Lead podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the beauty. I see so much growth for it as well, because I feel like society, at least in my world, is shifting towards staying away from the mainstream, You know, especially with COVID, shifting towards supporting the small business owner or supporting the independent artist, because you know these mainstream people, they, they got theirs already. So now we're here to try and just continue to lift people up. What is what does viewership look like for you guys in terms of how many users you have on the app? Right now, we're slightly under 10K right now, right? And so it's continually growing with that. And I, and I would tell you, as more independent artists understand that you're spending more money trying to promote yourself and you're only getting 0.01 cents back on a stream and where independent artists have to, you have to do 10 million streams just to get $10,000. It's going to be a point where people are going to wake up and say, hey, why am I paying all these monthly fees or why am I giving IG all my money just so people can see my pick? Why don't I join mm-hmm. a platform that doesn't have all those restrictions and doesn't have all those costly fees? And let me just continue to grow my and establish myself on, on a platform like Huddle Music. So 
we, we're going to continue to see growth. I'm expecting more growth once we announce the distribution. So if you look at a company like DistroKid, they have 250,000 artists that distribute their their uh, music through them. Hey, I'm looking I'm looking to go and snatch 10% of that. Mm-hmm. What is what is your partnership with Kirk Casino and Hype Life look like, and how has that played into the growth of your guys' brand? You know what? It's been a great partnership with Hype Life Brands. Hype Life, you know, they're they're the ones that I reached out to after I parted ways with the other company. Hype Life, they have a team out there where I flew out there originally to 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 meet with them and really give them my vision. And and upon listening to them, listening to what I had to say. I listened to what they had to say about vision added on and immediately from that meeting, I felt like this was the best place because we had similar interests. Kirk Cushino, he's, he's, he's not new to the music industry. So he understands a lot of the background, what goes on. And then also what better company to partner with a marketing agency that has numerous awards and, and just the feedback that, that Kurt and, and his team does and, it's just, it's remarkable. So I would say, you know, they've been definitely value added when we think about tip jar, when we think about making sure that we stay supportive of all of the music community, not just hip hop or R&B or EDM, you know, that's, that's a benefit, you know, just the advice that I consistently seek and, and receive from Hype Life Brands has been phenomenal. That's awesome. As far as that, to go along with all that too, and it kind of tails off of what we were talking about before as well. Um, as far as advertising goes and, and, and evolving your brand and getting it in front of more people that you want it to be in front of, how has that journey been the last year for you guys? And have you found, you know, I, I, there's a, there's a handful of people that are starting apps. I know for a fact that listen to this podcast. So I know that this is going to be a very valuable conversation to them. What has the advertising looked like over the last year that you, since you've started how has it evolved to when, you know, when you first launched to where it is? So for anybody that's out there new and you're launching your app, I would tell you first thing about advertising, it's expensive <laughs> and it will always be right. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's, and advertising is something that never goes away. But I will tell you, I started out trying to advertise with one foot in and saying, because to, just to be honest with everybody, I haven't went out there and raised capital, everything that we've started with Huddle Music. I've completely funded myself. So I understand the cost of doing it. And, and the reason I did that is because I'm 100% owner, right? But I, to my point, I started out one foot in. And what I mean by that is I was like, well, it's not going to cost that much because we can leverage digital marketing. We can leverage this. We can leverage that. We can leverage social media. But I was wrong about that. When you, I was going to say, boy, you were wrong. <laughs> I was wrong about that. I tell you what, when you get into marketing, uh, the budget part or anything, you got to go in with both feet in and, and everything's going to cost more than what you you thought it was. And especially when you start getting your metrics back and you're seeing what parts of the world that you've done good in or even the United States, you start breaking down the days of the week. What's best? Like, I didn't know how to music our best days for growing new users on Monday and Tuesday. And I'm digging in figuring out, okay, why is it Monday and Tuesday? And that's, that's some of the findings that we find. You got to find out what part of the country you do best in, what demographics or what age groups are you pulling? And then what cities and towns that 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 you're pulling users in. And I believe if you're able to leverage that, none of that, none of that information is free. <laughs> so for all of you that are starting new new apps, you definitely want to have a marketing company and want to be able to market where you're getting real data so you can make 
quick decisions because you're spending a lot of money doing and you want to have accurate information so you can pivot and position your company to continue to propel forward. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, Landon and I, when we started the podcast, we you know sought some marketing agencies and we were going in on this small budget since the the podcast wasn't going to give us an immediate ROI. And and since we're you know running other businesses, we're looking at this marketing and you know for the low end of stuff, the the budget was outrageous. And so the, the toughest part for me is consistently saying, okay, I know I need this, but making the dollar commitment, knowing that the ROI might not be immediate, it's the importance of having a vision for you know two to five years out, where right. you know I'm dumping this money, I'm not, I might not be profitable for the first two years, but all this fruit is going to grow one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as visionaries, like you guys are visionaries, you have to know like, okay, I'm planting this seed right now. I may not be able to bear fruit off this tree right now, but you give me three to five years and, I, and I'll, I'll be able to feed a lot of people off of this tree. Mm-hmm. I think it's a the sound funny bite thing right is, there, buddy. It's a yeah, sound bite there right you there. Go. <laughs> I think the funny thing is, is that what society thinks of entrepreneurship and business owners in the first couple of years, they're thinking, you know, I, I own this business, even though if it's an awesome business and the the idea is great and it's doing well, you're probably not profitable the first couple of years. Um, people think, you know, you're living this lavish lifestyle and you're still, you're broke and struggling. Um, <laughs> you know, because everything's going back into the business. You're trying to consistently outsource things and that costs money because you need your time freed up or else you're going to be doing everything. And it's, that's where stress comes in. Well, yeah, dude. And, and the thing is the issue that, I mean, the problem out there right now is, if you go on YouTube, all you get advertised, at least all that gets advertised to me are these get rich quick, you know, e-commerce schemes, right? Yep. Like this guy's showing you his iPhone and he's like, Hey, I made 35 grand last month. And, he, and it's, that's what we're trying. They're trying to condition us almost. I feel like we're being conditioned to think that that is what entrepreneurship is, which in reality, that's a very, 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 very small, small percentage of what, you know, early on entrepreneurship business owner world looks like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. No, you're absolutely correct. And and I know exactly what you're referencing to. You know, you see these guys say, hey, I made 35000 last month. But it, it, it is that company that's marketing that is the one that's making money off the people that don't know better. And also, too, you get a lot of people out there that, that sit around and don't understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And, and they can sit around and, and, and sit at a partner. Everybody's talking about what they're going to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then when they get in there, they're like, holy crap. Like th- this is hard mm-hmm. and this taking a lot of money and it taking a lot of sacrifice than what they really thought. And a lot of them, they die out or you get a, somebody that starts a company and, and you hear about so many businesses that don't even survive the first year because they underestimated what it really takes to be that visionary and, and you know, position your company to move forward. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I'm always a, a big proponent of trying to start small so you don't bite off more than you can chew. Right. Um, you know, I think the funny thing about entrepreneurship, if you're looking to just make money, I think climbing the corporate ladder might be something for you. You probably make money faster and you can make a lot of it, but entrepreneurship is about time and impact and freedom. You know, those three things are huge. And then the money comes a little bit later. I think that is more of what we gravitate towards. And that's why being a visionary is so huge because like we said, it's not going to be instantly gratifying. There's going to be a lot harder days than there are easier days in the beginning. Oh, abs- absolutely. It's, it's like I sit back and I think about, you know, what I invested in, you know, start hold up music. I'm thinking like, oh my God, like you can have fat bank account, you can have all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it doesn't get me 
where I'm envisioning myself to be at down the road. It doesn't, that doesn't help the independent artist. That doesn't help grow a brand that will last a long time. And so to your point, it is about the division. It's about thinking down the road and not thinking about the return on investment right now. But you have to put all the pieces in place. And I tell people all the time that, I don't know if you you guys are, are into this, but I, I am definitely in like the universe. And I think everything comes around. And if you stay diligent and you stay focused, everything's going to pivot back to you. But you, you have to stay there. You have to continue marketing. You have to continue to refresh and fine tune your business or your concept because your time is going to come. And when it comes, you have to be ready because if you're not ready, by the time it comes around again, those business owners won't even be around. Mm-hmm. And as I always say, persistency will get you there. Consistency will keep you there. Absolutely. You know, LaShawn, I really appreciate all the things that you have brought value into this podcast and Huddle Music. I'm so excited to watch it grow. Uh, I'll speak for you. It looks like you don't care about being extremely like in the now. You care about being relevant like the next Spotify or Apple Music in 20 years or 10 years, you know, whatever that time frame is for you. It seems like, you know, you want this to be your legacy. Correct. Correct. I think you're spot on right now. If you think of yourself and someone that's not around anymore, what did you leave here? What was your legacy? What did this person build? What did they envisionize? And how did they help hundreds and thousands of other, you know, artists? And you're right. Auto music will be where Spotify is now, maybe 10 years or 20 years from now. It's a brand that's going to stand the test of time and we're going to continue to grow every day. I love it. I love it. I'll give you the floor. Any anything, any words of wisdom or anything you want to leave our, our listeners with would be appreciated. Yes. Um, I'll tell you what, for all the listeners out there, get out there, download the Huddle Music app, H-U-D-L Music. Follow us on Twitter, IG, Facebook, Huddle Music. And then also... I look forward to just serving all the independent artists this summer with our new distribution platform. It's going to be lovely. I look forward to also huddle music festivals and where we're going to promote indie artists around the country. Um, It's going to be a big deal. I look forward to the growth and look forward um, just to serving and connecting with more artists. That's amazing. And we really appreciate you coming on and having this servant leadership mindset. I think this is something that we could all take away on, you know, how to grow a brand long-term how to be a visionary. You know, you brought so much great things. So LaShawn, thank you so much. And we're really excited to see where Huddle ends up. Absolutely. Thanks guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day.